see. Let me read Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then jumping down to verse 14, verse 14 says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for your presence in this place. We thank you now for your word. We pray, Lord, that your word will bring life to us, that your word would pierce our hearts, would go deep into our soul, would purify us, would strengthen us, will give us hope, will give us clarity of why we're on this earth. And I just pray, oh God, that your presence would be known in this place, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week I was talking about the disciples, how they first assignment wasn't to go out and preach, wasn't to go out and teach, wasn't even to go uh, encourage anybody, but Jesus told them to wait. And that was their first ministry assignment, was to wait. And, and what... Uh, what a difficult situation, I think, for them who were ready to serve, who were ready to give, who were ready, were trained, and they were ready for that moment, and yet Jesus told them to wait. And I just wanted to speak just really briefly about waiting, and I want to come back to these verses. These verses here present what happened after the waiting. But I wanted to go back in waiting because, uh, as we're going to see throughout the book of Acts, there's a lot of spiritual activity taking place. There's a lot that is happening, and it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon these disciples. The same Spirit that came upon Jesus. We know from the Gospels in Luke chapter 4 that the Holy Spirit came upon Christ, and the Spirit led Him into the wilderness. It was the Spirit of God that came upon Jesus. Even Jesus emptied himself. Philippians chapter 2 is known as the passage of emptying. He emptied himself. He, he came down. He left his glory in heaven. And he became like us. And in so doing, he allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon him so that he could minister. And that's the same thing that he, Jesus taught and was teaching his disciples. He said, I want you to wait. Just as I have received the Holy Spirit and ministered under the power of the Holy Spirit, now I want you to wait for so that you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I do want to talk about the, the Holy Spirit for a couple of moments here. And we will be talking about the Holy Spirit because you cannot avoid the Holy Spirit when you're going through the book of Acts. But this is what I've learned in life and ministry is that we cannot bring God down to our level to try to understand. We can't bring, say, God, I need you to come down where I'm at, and I need you to make sense with my brain, and I need you to make sense with my education, and I, I need you to make sense with my experiences. I have learned that we need to come to God. We need to go to God. It's not about, God already has come to us. 
But now today, when this morning and as I was praying, I was coming to God. And in my prayer, I was praying, God, open my eyes. Open my heart. Help me to see. Help me to understand. Help me to come into your presence. We cannot bring God down into our lives. We need to pray, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Uh, as I stated, we already know that Jesus came down from heaven to, the, from, to earth. We know that, and I gladly shared with you the history that we have. This is a history book, and it's God's Word, and we are building our life on this Word of God. As I shared with you again, why we can have confidence, utmost confidence in this Word. And this Word declares that Jesus walked this earth, and He walked this earth, and it's historically proven that He walked. And He walked this earth so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we can know Christ, so that we can know the Lord. And the world is battling this Word. This Word is, is what is at, is, is in the middle of a fight. People are trying to fight God's Word. Some are trying to silence altogether God's Word. Some are trying to twist God's Word. But we're, many of us, we want to proclaim God's Word. We want to live together in unity and in accountability because I am not somebody who has the, the only authority. We all have the authority of God's Word. So if I am ever off base as we pray together, as we read God's Word together, we have the responsibility of coming together and proclaiming God's Word. And you can bring correction in my life just like I can bring correction in your life. But it is God's Word that we are basing our life on. And so the Holy Spirit was coming upon them. And it was one of those things, the disciples, Jesus said this about the disciples. Jesus said, Father, I am glad that you revealed the truth. I am glad that you revealed the salvation plan to these men who were unlawful, who weren't the religious leaders who weren't the smartest guys in the room. They, they, they were uh, nobodies. They were guys that were just living day-to-day -day jobs. Nobody thought about them. Nobody looked to them. Nobody was, you know, wanting to be around them. And Jesus said, God, I'm so grateful that you revealed your, your truth to them. Because the people who were the religious leaders in that day, the people who knew all about God, the people who were teaching about God, they had come to a place where they felt like, I know who God is, and I know what God is like, and I know what God is doing. But they took God's Word, and they began to use it to their advantage. That's, that's a warning sign right there. If somebody's using God's Word and twisting it for their advantage, you know that there's trouble ahead. And I want to tell you that that's what the religious leaders were doing. They were using the Word of God to their advantage. They were trying to get the best place in the city. They wanted to be looked at with pride. They wanted to be honored, not just because of who God was, but because of who they were. And so the religious leaders, they had God figured all out. So when that Jesus came and Jesus began to speak, He was the Word. And when the Word began to be spoken, they didn't receive it. They didn't accept it. They denied it. They tried to squelch it, and ultimately, they worked with the Romans to crucify the Word, the Word of God. But 
Peter and James and John, the disciples, they were humbled. They were humbled before God. And they decided we are going to humble ourselves before God. And they accepted the word of Christ in their life. And this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to be humble. I want to encourage you to humble yourself as you come to God. Not saying, I, I've got it all figured out. And I can tell you, I'll be the first one that will declare that. I'm the first one to declare that, that says, I don't have this all figured out. I'm never going to pretend that I have all the answers. I'm not going to tell you that this is sit down because I've, I've got it. I've got all the information. I can tell you I've learned. I can tell you I've grown in the Lord. But I'm going to tell you also, let's learn together. Let's grow together. And, and um, I, I just know what God has done in my life. There's a story in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, about a man named Naaman. And Naaman was not an Israelite. Naaman was a Syrian uh, general. But Naaman had leprosy. And he heard about the God of Israel. And so Naaman sent, because he wanted to be healed of leprosy, and, and so Naaman finds out about Elisha, who God has been using in his miraculous power. And Naaman, who's not a child of Israel, who has nothing to do with God, but he had heard about God, he wants to be healed. And so Elisha says, tell Naaman to dip himself in the Jordan River seven times, and he will be healed. When Naaman gets this report, he's upset about it. He's mad. He said, surely Elisha knows who I am. I'm a general. I'm a mighty man. I'm somebody of great importance. Surely Elijah would want to come and meet with me and talk with me and, and, and pray over me and lay his hands on me. Why is he not even coming to visit me? He wants me to go dip in the Jordan, and the Jordan River was a disgusting river. It was an ugly, murky river. It was not clear water. It was anything that you would want to dip yourself in. And Naaman got upset. But he had some smart guys around him that said, Hey, if Elijah would have told you to do something fancy, if Elijah would have told you to do something important, you would have done it, wouldn't you? And he said, Well, yeah. Why not dip yourself? And he dips himself seven times in the Jordan River and he's healed. And I want to tell you this morning that I use that story and I use that illustration because sometimes we don't understand what God is doing. Sometimes we don't understand what He's doing in our life. I have been there many times and God, I don't understand what you're doing. And sometimes we, we, it's to the point where we, I don't like what you're doing, Lord. I don't like how you're working in my life. I don't like that you're doing this or this is happening. I don't like it. But we need to be the, uh, the opposite of Naaman. See, Naaman was filled with pride, which is interesting. Even though he, he had leprosy, he was still filled with pride. He was a general. He wasn't humble. He was prideful. We need to come to God in humility. And we may not always understand everything that God is doing, but with a humble heart. You remember about a month ago, we, we knelt on our knees and we humbled ourselves, the importance of being humble. God, I want to be humble before you. When we come to God with humility, and when we come to God with a desire, I want to know God. That's what the disciples had. I want to know more of the Lord. 
I, 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 I've seen what he's done. I've heard the other, I've heard the other teachers. I've lived that life. I want to know Jesus. I want to know more of him. I want to follow after him. I want to know Christ. And we have to be humble, and we have to have that desire. And when we have that humility, and we have that desire, we're going to receive of the Lord. And we will begin to understand. And we will begin to, to teach, and to mentor, and to share. We will begin to do those things in our life. Now, can I, so, but understand this, so if I were to ask you, explain to me the virgin birth. Explain that to me. Explain how a virgin gave birth. Explain how Mary, not having relations with Joseph, gave birth to Jesus. You can't explain that to me. Naaman can't, wasn't, wouldn't be able to explain it to you in human terms, how dipping himself in seven times in the Jordan, not five, not six, but seven times, he wouldn't be able to explain that to you in human terms, how that happened. You can't explain that. You can't explain how God told Noah one day, I want you to build an ark. It had never rained on earth. There was never a boat. There was never a need for a boat. It had never rained. And now God wants you to build an ark. But it was obedience. They obeyed the Lord. They came to Him with humility and a desire to know God. And they obeyed the Lord. And they had obedience. And that obedience... The disciples experienced God. And that is what I encourage you. I encourage you to be humble. I encourage you to desire God. And then just obey Him. Obey Him. And the disciples were obeying the Lord. They were waiting on the Lord. And supernatural activity began to take place. And you can, you, you read it with me. You heard these words. And the writer of, of Acts he wasn't even trying to fully understand it. He was describing it. He said, there was a sound like wind. Something like wind. It was a sound. We heard something in it. I, all I know is I can equate it as sounded like wind. And then there was like fire. There's cloven tongues of fire that rested upon each person. It was like that. He wasn't trying to say, this is it, and I'm trying to fully understand. He was, just, he was just describing the moment and describing what was happening as supernatural activity was taking place in their life. This is what was happening when God was beginning to move. It was like the sound. And I can tell you as a human being and as smart people, we don't like that sometimes. I don't want to know what something's like. I don't I want to try to, you know, compare something. I want to fully understand it. But that's where we come back to the humility. That's where we come back to the desire. That's where we come back to the obedience that God, I know. Now, this is, and this is why I shared that again last week. God never tells us to shut our brain off when we come to Him. He never tells us that. We had, we had a wonderful Saturday afternoon with lots of families, and I was at, we were at one party, and I was talking with a, a family uh, visiting out of town, and we were talking about a, a, a certain organiz, religious organization that's out in America that has built their organization 
not on this word. They think it's on this word, but their leader hundreds of years ago took this word, twisted it. They twisted the word of God. But their, their, their religion has, there's no basis of truth. They have to shut their brain off. They truly have to have blind faith to believe in what, what their religious leader told them hundreds of years ago. You have to shut your brain off. When you come to God, God says, don't shut your brain off. Turn it on. Turn it on and you will see how good God is. You will see through His Word. And so with our brain, we can come to God. When we come to God, make no mistake about it, He is high and lifted up. He is great and greatly to be praised. Make no mistake about it, our brain will can bring us to God. But when we come to God, we're going to be like Isaiah chapter 6 and we're going to say, I am not even worthy to be here. He is awesome. He is worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is awesome. He is magnificent. He is all-powerful. He has created all things by His power. He's not like me. He, he, he doesn't have a brain. He doesn't have to read books. He is God Almighty. And so with our brain, we can come to God. But then when we come into His presence, He does things that go beyond our brain. He does things in our life that goes beyond our understanding. He does things in our life that goes beyond our education. He does things in our life that goes beyond the natural. And that's what was happening in Acts chapter 2. Things were taking place in the supernatural. Supernatural activity was taking place. And I want to tell you today, this is what I know, that God has good things for you. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. God Almighty, in His wisdom, sent His Son, His only begotten Son, because you needed to be saved. I needed to be saved. I needed to be delivered. God has good things for us. He has good things for us. We need deliverance from guilt. We need a deliverance from shame. We need a deliverance from anger. We need a deliverance from lust. We need a deliverance from selfishness. We need a deliverance from just thinking about ourselves. We needed to be saved. And God knew we needed salvation. And we would never find that salvation in ourselves. We would never find salvation in each other. We would never find salvation on this earth. No matter how much good or uh, many experiences we had, you read uh, the Song of Solomon, you read uh, Proverbs, I mean Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, that's the book I was thinking. You read Ecclesiastes, and that was Solomon. He experienced it all, and he said it was all meaningless. God understood that this world did not hold the things that would save you and change you and transform you. It was only Jesus, and He sent His Son to save us. He sent His Son to deliver us. God always has something good for us. And so Jesus said, now the Father is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is now sending you the Holy Spirit. It's another good gift that He has given to us. It's a good gift. It's a powerful gift. And he told the disciples, 
that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. You'll receive power to go to the ends of the earth and preach this gospel. You will build my church with the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And that is what we are reading. Again, I can tell you, the Bible has declared, and it has declared truth. The Bible has said, this is truth. And that's Peter, if you continue to read Acts chapter 2. The people around them, what, what began to happen? They didn't understand it. They didn't understand what was happening. They thought they were drunk. And they began to laugh at them and mock them. Because they did not understand it with their brain. It was not making sense. They had no humility. They were filled with pride. They had no desire to know God. They were there to do their religious duties. So when they, when they heard, they began to make fun of them. But Peter stood up and he said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. This is what God said was going to happen Thousands of years ago, he said this would happen, and it's happening. It's happening. The Bible says 3,000 people believed. Maybe some of, some of them were mocking, but then they heard the message with their brain. With their brain, they, they remembered seeing Jesus. With their brain, they remember seeing him crucified. With their brain, they began to understand that what they witnessed was not some lunatic, was not some crazy man, but they realized that they had witnessed the Savior of the world. And they believed. They confessed with their mouth and they believed in their heart. They believed the message of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened. Jesus told them, you will receive power. We know again, Peter was one of the, he, he was quick, he was the one to deny Christ three times. He ran, he, he fled, he was hiding, he didn't want anything to do with Jesus because he, he began to realize this has fallen all apart. But now the Holy Spirit is upon him. And instead of running, instead of denying Christ, he stands up and he begins to declare the Word of God. He began to be a witness. He fulfilled the words of Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. God wants to fulfill His Word in your life. That is what I know this morning. God wants to fulfill His promise in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to fulfill His promises? Every promise in this book is for you. He wants to to fulfill it in your life. He wants you to receive Him. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to be transformed by Him. He wants to draw near to you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a good, good father, and He has good gifts. I know that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good thing that you have in life it's going to be, it's, going to, it's a gift from God. Everything. Now, there are some things in this life that people think that are good for them, but they're not. When you get down into it, if it's not from God, they may still say, well, this is good. 
And there are some things on this planet that God gives to us. I'm not talking about those things, but, you know, obviously, so you've got things that are, people have taken, they think it's good, but it's really sin. You know, the love of money. They think, ah, I, I need, they have the love of money and I'm going to get as much money as possible. You and I know God, if money is just a tool in God's hands. We don't love it. We love God. We don't, we, we don't love money. We love when God uses us to be a blessing with our money. We love it when God uses us to bless others with our money. We love it when God allows us to bless our, our lives with our money. But we don't love money. So there are some things that people have taken, and they've said, Ah, this is, I love this. They've taken something good because they don't have God in their life. But every good and perfect gift comes from God. And He wants you to receive it this morning. He wants you to receive it. I want to just pray. I, I have a message of, of, of waiting. I, I knew I wanted to kind of share in, in reading about the Holy Spirit. I wanted to share about that. I did have some points about waiting, but I just want to just pray. And I just want to ask God to just fulfill His life and heart in us. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy today. I pray, God, that each of us would just be humbled. Help us, Lord, to be humbled in your presence. Help us, Lord, to come to you with a desire to know you, to love you, a desire to just want to come before you. Lord, not a, not a religious attitude that says, I've got this all figured out. I know who you are. I know what church is all about. I know what the Bible says already. But a humble spirit that says, Lord, open my eyes. I want to know you. I want to receive more of you. I want you, God, in my heart. I want you in my life. I know you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I know I'm a sinner and I come before you and I humble myself before you. I know you are great. I know I'm not greater than you. You are greater than me. I know, God, you are greater than all the earth holds together because you've made it all. You are worthy to be praised. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, be a, that you would fulfill your promises in our life. I pray that.
thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. God, we just pray that you'll continue to reveal yourself to us. Ask it in Jesus' name. God is so good. Can you not? I, I just had to take that moment to wait. When you're preaching about waiting, how can you not put that into action? I'll share with you waiting. Let me just share it really quick. I'll, I'll share these these points with you, waiting. Waiting gives me time to thank God. Sometimes we don't like to wait. I don't like waiting. I don't like pausing at awkward silence. Who likes that? In life, we don't like waiting. But can I encourage you today, when you wait for the Lord, it, it gives you time to praise God, to thank God. I've learned it. I shared with you that funny illustration of being at the restaurant, waiting on Tara to read through the menu. And I've learned in those moments when I don't like waiting, that it's time, it's my time to praise God, to worship Him. It was interesting, uh, I was talking with Helen Clark a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking about this message, and uh, I hadn't even begun to write it out, but I was thinking about the message. And I, and I called Helen to check up on her, and um, she, she told me, um, surgery went fine, but now I'm waiting. <laughs> and I said, Helen, you hit a trigger word with me. You said, waiting. I, I have to tell you today that I've been preparing a message about waiting, and nobody likes waiting. And, and we began just to encourage each other with the waiting, especially with the medical reports. Nobody likes to wait for that medical report to get back. Just tell me now, doctor. Just tell me what you're seeing. Tell me what, what's going on. Tell me what's happening in my body. We don't like the waiting. But I want to encourage you today that times of waiting give you an opportunity to thank God, to praise Him. Waiting is not a waste of time. I have learned that in life, and I want to encourage you Accept it. Believe it. Don't don't accept the idea that waiting is a waste of time. Don't despise moments of waiting. Waiting is so precious. It's precious. It's a powerful time, unlike no other. Keep that mindset. Waiting. It gives you an opportunity to thank God, if nothing else. Do you need a better excuse to enjoy waiting than to say, Ah, I've got time to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I've had a busy week, and now I'm just here waiting. Guess what? I'm going to thank you, Lord. I'm going to thank you that I'm here. I'm going to thank you. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be in a rush. I don't have to try to figure this out right now. I don't need to hear what the doctor is going to say right now. I can just thank you. We all hate waiting. Waiting, it gives me time to thank God. Let me encourage you that waiting also, uh, it helps you to remember what God has done. It's kind of like thanking God, but remember what God has done in your life. As you, especially when you were waiting on a medical report, or you're waiting on a house to sell, or you're waiting on a new job. You can start thinking about what God has done. And you begin to thank Him and praise Him. Uh, you can begin to think about what God has done for others. Obviously, the Word of God. I know that in the Bible, one of the things uh, I think about when I get impatient is Saul. Saul got impatient with Samuel. King Saul was impatient. King Saul was going into battle, and he was supposed to wait until Samuel came to bless them. 
And he got impatient and he said, I'll do it myself. And ever since that moment, the kingdom was taken from him. He couldn't wait anymore. He got impatient. You know, you've been there. I've been there. Those moments when you're impatient. Oh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why am I rude sometimes? Can I just calm myself down? Waiting, waiting, waiting. Let's begin to embrace it. Let's begin to understand it's good for us. Let's begin to understand it's time to praise God. Waiting. It helps me to remember what God has done. It it helps me to remember the things I've learned. It helps me to remember that. Oh, yeah. I remember last time I was in a rush and I got out of here and I forgot something. Now I'm learning that waiting's good for me. It helps me to remember things. I need to wait on the Lord. It helps me to remember that it doesn't, it helps me to keep my priorities in line. Now, if you're having an appointment to be at, don't be late. <laughs> don't be late for appointments. Don't be late. But if you're just, you know, trying to get about your day or going to have some fun or you're just going to do something that's not an appointment, you know, why do you have to be impatient? I, and, and I know this is my excuse today. It's going to remind me. I'm always telling her, I want to hurry to get there so that we can have fun. So let's hurry and get the best parking spot. Let's hurry and, and uh, get there so that we can enjoy ourselves. But I've got to be just reminded that it's not, that's what's most important. So waiting is a time to just reprioritize your life. What's really important here? What's really important? Because what that does for you, you can still hurry and get a good spot. It just helps you to have a better attitude. Instead of being like, hey, let's go, you're like, hey, honey, wouldn't it be cool if we got a good parking spot and uh, we, we got there and had some fun? You know that's two different ways of saying the same thing? Have you learned that in life? You can say the same thing in a mean way and you can say it in a nice way. Saying the same thing. And it's that... It's that Understanding that waiting is good for me. Waiting is okay. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to be better waiters. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. As we continue to wait on God, as we continue to wait on His goodness and mercy, you got to learn just to wait. May we be people that can wait. We are in a... We're in a... <laughs> I share this a little bit. You know, again, we have 30-second commercials. We have instant messaging. We have microwaves. We, we have speedy checkouts. You know, we don't like to wait. But guess what? God's people are different. We're not the same. We're not like this world. Remember, we don't, our, we don't, um, we don't develop our life based on the patterns of this world. We develop our life and build our life based on the patterns of the Word of God. What's the patterns of this world? The pattern right now is to be in a rush, to be fast, to be quick, to be... Don't wait. We don't want to wait. We're God's people. We're the light on the hill. We shine, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And He shines through us. I want you to shine this week. I want you to be good waiters. So when you start waiting this week, Remember, it's your time to praise God. It's your time to remember what God has done for you. You can think about these things. Would you stand uh, this morning? They're going to lead us in a song.
Just let God minister to you. Just wait on Him. Just worship Him. Get that attitude. Say, God, help me. Help me to be a better waiter. Help me, Lord. Let this message, let this message sink into your heart today. Yes, God.